1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 1059 The Region and welcome to On the Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. And this is the last weekend now before Canadians go to the polls on Monday, and we determine who will fill the 338 seats in Parliament. Throughout the 40-day campaign, there have been a number of local riding debates across the country. That's right, Tina. Our own Susan Taylor from REMAX Prime Properties attended a local debate in Markham. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, and thanks for focusing on this very important topic. Susan, tell us a little bit about the experience at the debate. Mm-hmm. Well, I attended an event, an event that was run by Markham Public Libraries, and I have to say it was very well run. Uh, it happened last Wednesday, and unlike the televised event on Monday where I understand that the candidates were on talking over each other and disrespectful of each other's time, this event was really well done. And I have to say that all six candidates that were up there were very respectful of one another, respected each other's time, were um, appreciative of each other's efforts in the past, and uh, I, I felt good about all of the candidates, quite frankly. I, I really feel that they're all decent people with the best of intentions. And what riding was it in Markham? This is the Markham Stouffville riding. So uh, we had six candidates there. We had, uh, of course, the, the the most known three, which are provincial, uh, progressive, conservative, liberal, and NDP. Uh, we also had a representative from the Green Party, and we had independent Jane Philpot, uh, who, of course, was our uh, liberal elected official until she resigned after um, some issues last year that she. Uh, had disagreements about how her party was handling. So she's running as an independent, so kudos to her. And we also had a representative from a newly formed party called the People's Party of Canada. And and Susan, one of the hot topics is how is the the proposed government going to be handling home ownership affordability. Did that come up and, and what was said if it was? Absolutely. That was, I think, the second question. Once they went through their introductions, that was the second question that that was asked. Uh, and it came through the moderator who was addressing questions that had come from the audience. Everybody has their own take on how uh, affordable... Well, actually, everybody has their own interpretation of that question, first of all. Um, I would suggest that the People's Party of Canada and the Progressive Conservative Party were really the only ones that addressed uh, home ownership. Uh, the other groups really just talked about affordability. Um, in a large part, their efforts would focus on opening up more rental housing. Um, the People's Party of Canada, uh, their answer to pretty much any question you ask is to slow down the flow of newcomers to Canada. Um, I mean, it is a fact. Statistics Canada says that 82% of our population growth stems from immigration and non-permanent residents. And newcomers to Canada account for 21% of home purchases across the country. So absolutely, if you slow down immigration, it will slow down um, the, the housing market. But 
but please let's not take that out of context. You know, I'm not I'm not suggesting that I think that's the best way to go because obviously if you slow down immigration, that's going to have huge implications to other parts of our economy, not just housing. And and that's exactly what I was going to add was the housing market is the financial engine for our economy. So just to slow it down doesn't really address the issues which, you know, our, our main issue has been and continues to be supply. Was there any indication that some of these people would, uh, you know, put their foot forward and, and try to increase supply and, and maybe reduce some of the red tape that's out there preventing builders from building? Mm-hmm. There wasn't a, a lot of that aside from uh, the Progressive Conservative Party um, I think the liberals as well suggested that freeing up some federally owned land to developers might be an option, but specifically um, it was suggested that that be freed up for the purpose of building affordable housing, perhaps purpose-built rental housing, as opposed to you know million-dollar detached homes that we're seeing as, as kind of the standard in York region. Um, the Progressive Conservative Party talked a little bit about uh, extending amortization rates, uh, perhaps tweaking interest rates so that monthly mortgage payments could be less. But at the end of the day, if you're paying $2,500 a month for a mortgage, I'm not sure if if uh, reducing your monthly mortgage payments by 10% even is going to make that much of a difference. So were you satisfied with the answers and what about those in attendance? Mm-hmm. I think everybody in attendance, they took it for what it was. When people talk about housing, I, I really don't think it's up to our government to solve affordability issues. I mean, Toronto is a world-class city. This is not new news that world-class cities get expensive. If you want to move to Manhattan, if you want to move to London, England, guess what? It's really, really expensive to live downtown. People commute if they work in the in the city centers. And so I think something that wasn't addressed was, you know, let's talk about transportation options uh, from outer-lying areas of Toronto um, you know, a 40-minute train ride into town from something that's 100 kilometers away is not such a bad option. Have you made up your mind? You don't have to tell us how you're going to vote, but <laughs> did it help you make up your mind in terms of how you'll vote on Monday? It did. It did. And again, all six candidates were were very, they presented their, their messages very well. Um, but I, I'm down to uh, one of two I will, I will go with, and I won't get into that here. Okay. So just a couple more sleeps before we find out who uh, who gets to run the country for uh, another, say, four years. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we look forward to having you back on the show and discussing how the election results went. Thanks. When we come back, we meet the first Canadian to win the Good Neighbor Award of the Year. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next on the show is the first Canadian to win the Good Neighbor of the Year Award from the National Association of Realtors in the United States. Welcome to the show, Bruce Johnson. Thank you, Asif. Hi, Tina. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I appreciate this. Congratulations. 
This is awesome. Oh, what you. an honor. Thank now, Bruce, for our listeners, take us through what the Good Neighbor Award is and, and how you were selected for this honor. Okay. Well, the Good Neighbor Award, it's, it's the 20th year of them doing this, and they, they par through. Like, there's 1.3 million realtors in, in the system, I guess. It's the largest trade organization in the world, believe it or not, NAR in the States, N-A-R. So the award is sponsored by Wells Fargo and Realtor.com. And it's always been Americans. They've, they've nominated one Canadian before, my really good friend, and, and yours too, Asif, Vince Mirabelli. That's right. And I, I strongly think that Vince had a, a very powerful hand in my, my nomination. Uh, he, uh, he's just that kind of guy, so generous in giving. And so the award uh, process, the, the scaling down, they wind up with 10 finalists, and then there's a voting procedure, and there's a web award as well. And, uh, yeah, so we were selected as one of the five five winners, and with that comes a $10,000 U.S. grant for Sickett's Hospital and CMN, the Children's Miracle Network Hospital System, so we're wildly excited. We're, we're so excited because the spotlight is shining on sick kids and CMN. They've never been featured with this before, so we're, that's, that's the part that is just, we're, we're over the moon with that because they deserve so much recognition for all the work they do for children's health throughout North America. And, and just to remind our listeners, Bruce, you've been uh, quite a, a huge supporter of CMN and Sick Kids, and this dates back to uh, the last time you were on our show, and we, we spoke about Alyssa, your daughter, that uh, uh, passed, and, and you've been on a mission to help other families. How much have you raised to date so far for well, Sick Kids? Well, since, since all of this, I, I think we're just approaching the $700,000 mark for CMN, and we've just passed the 500,000. That's included in that seven is a $500,000 uh, fund that we set up at Sick Kids Hospital in Alyssa's name. So it's the Alyssa Ray Johnson Fund. And the hospital just let us know that we've just passed a half million dollars in that, which is, it's mind blowing to, to our family because we started out in 2013 to, to do a little motorcycle trip and raise $25,000 and help some families. And it's, it's really, really grown. You've been a big part of that asset actually. Well, you know, it, it's been an honor to be a, a part of that and, and just to see how this has grown. And, you know, the original motorcycle trip, sure, you know, you started off wanting to raise 25000 What about the ends of the earth trip last year? That was a little different in yeah, scope. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, so my daughter Holly and I do these journeys. When she was 10, she asked me if we could do a motorcycle trip, and I said yes. And when she turned 12, we set off on this trip, and we decided to make it a fundraiser for CMN Hospitals and Sick Kids. So we went from here to Costa Rica and back. That took five months. And then mm-hmm. in 2016, we rode across Canada and we visited all 14 children's hospitals in the hospital system. And that was an absolute joy. That was just such a fun time. And I thought we were done. <laughs> I really <laughs> thought we were done. Holly doesn't have any quit in her. <laughs> she, she asked me in November of 2017, Dad, can we do one more journey? And I said, well, what are you thinking? She said, how about we go from the top of the world to the bottom? And it's a trip I'd always wanted to do on motorcycles. She's a very clever kid. She knows exactly how to reach me. And I've been trying to do this motorcycle trip since I was 15 years old. I've been dreaming of it. And I've tried twice in my adult life. And I wound up bicycling it with my wife. So I've never done it with a motor. And then the, I guess the beginning of August last year, we found ourselves in a plane flying up to the Arctic Circle. And we rode north up to the Arctic Ocean on some of the muddiest, worst roads I've ever seen in my life. And we set out south, and it, uh, it took us nearly six months to ride to the other end of the world, the southern tip of Argentina, called Ushuaia in Patagonia. So tell us about some of the highlights of that route. 
man. <laughs> I always, there's always a nervous laugh when I get asked that because there's just so many things that happen. We had a, we had a really wild bear encounter right, right at the start of the trip. And Holly and I get asked about that lot because it's, it's a great piece of video. It's a, I've got my video rolling on the helmet, and you see this huge brown bear really close to the bike, and it chases us down the road. And honestly, by the end of the trip, that isn't in the top 30 stories that we ever wow. tell. There's just so much stuff. Like every day came with, with different stuff. And the trip was joy-filled, and the people that we met were wonderful, and Remax supporting from end to end. We'd stop at Remax offices and explain our explain the purpose of the journey and share Alyssa's story and, and, and really, really help them understand what children's health is all about and, and what we're doing for the hospitals. And, uh, yeah, by the, <laughs> by the end of the trip, we'd had, uh, let's see, 26,000-plus kilometers on the road. We'd gone through some of the worst weather I've ever faced, and the winds in Patagonia are the strongest on Earth. There's nothing like that. I've seen car doors get torn back on their hinges with the wind down there. We would pass transports that were just blown over by the wind. Uh, very cold. It was snowing the day we arrived in Ushuaia. So we started and ended with, with below freezing weather and then had tropical heat in the middle. It's, it's a tough... Going around the world around the equator is much, much easier than going end-to-end because the, the weather extremes are, are pretty powerful. Now, you spoke about your daughter, Holly, who joined you on the trip. Can you tell uh-huh. us a little bit about your daughter, Alyssa Ray? Absolutely. So Alyssa was our first child. She was born in 1998, on November 17th. And we found out fairly late in our pregnancy that, that she had what's called an, an emphalocele, which is where your internal organs are born outside your body. Her heart was actually born outside of her chest, too, so she, her sternum was partially missing. And it's all, these are all things that Sick Kids Hospital at the time could have. It was fairly, it was emerging technology. And I've, I've since met children who had almost the exact same thing as Alyssa. And they're, they're running around and healthy and, and surviving very well. So we were just 21 years too early, I believe. And, uh, yeah, she had a number of seizures. And she passed away in our arms on day 20, December 6th, 1998. So it, it was a nuclear bomb in our, in our lives. That's our first child, and we had a house to bring her home to. Wasaga Beach was, we were excited to bring her back to our family, and to lose our first child, it was devastating. And Holly brought all the sunshine back to us three years later when she came along, and then our youngest daughter, Jossie, was born three years after that. So they grew up knowing. I'm, I'm in my house right now. I'm looking around. There's Alyssa's photo on our, on our album shelf here, and, and the girls knew they had a bigger sister, and uh, they're, they're very close to the, the memory of Alyssa, even though they never met her. And it's really a comfort uh, when we go to SickKids Hospital, especially because both both my other daughters, Holly and Joss, have been through SickKids numerous times for for their own things. So um, when we go there, Alyssa's name is on the wall, and we always go and visit Alyssa. And and as as the fund has grown and Alyssa moves from station to station at SickKids further up that donation wall, it's really sweet when our friends go now. They always go, if, if, if we've got people whose kids are fighting cancer, we've got people whose children have eye issues, every time they go, they go to Alyssa and they make a little harder on her name and they text me and they say, hey, had to see her angel. And that just brings us such great joy that, that Alyssa is still inspiring people. I promised her we'd never forget her and, and that's, that's the promise that I'll, I'll, never, I'll never not, not continue to, to fulfill. Thank you for sharing her story with us. Bruce, the ride, the ride is over for now, <laughs> but uh, if our listeners want to contribute to this fund, to the Hospital for Sick Children, can you provide us with some details on how they can do that and how they can participate in this journey with you? 
Absolutely. We'd, we'd welcome anyone to join us. It's, it's a, an absolute joy to have new people join up. So it's uh, MotorcycleForMiracles.com is the website. MotorcycleForMiracles.com. And on that site, one click at the top and it takes you to a donation page. And we'd be honored. And you'd be, you'd be helping your local children's hospital. SickKids Hospital is one of the great hospitals in the world for children's health. And we are desperately in need of a new hospital. Uh, there's a fundraising campaign right now to try and raise $1.3 billion. So every dollar, and, and literally CMN and SickKids, they raise their money a buck at a time. Can you imagine, huh? a dollar at a time, dollar at uh, you know, the Marriott Hotel. There's always a little can on the counter, a buck at a time, a buck at a time. So anything you can do to provide a little bit of help for your, the health care of your children and your, and your neighbor's kids, that's, uh, it goes a long way. And that's the joy of being a REMAX agent, I think, because it's, it's our number one charity. And every house that, that the champion agents sell and the, and the miracle agents in the system, a portion of our commission goes right to our local CMN hospital, which is sick kids, of course. Uh, in my county alone, in Simcoe County here, we've got 4,500 classrooms, and we have 4,500 kids a year go to sick kids. So it's basically a kid for every class. Wow. That's, uh... so if you start the school year and you look around, there's 30 kids in your class. One of those kids is going to be through sick kids' doors at some point that year. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, and, and Bruce, a lot. thank you for all that you do to help these oh, kids and, and to rally everyone else uh, to be able to support this great cause. And congratulations again on being the first Canadian to win the Good Neighbor Award of the Year. Thank you, my friend. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On The Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions. Asif, y'all set? I am. Okay, here we go. The first one comes from Jack in Richmond Hill. He writes, I think I have seller's remorse. Is it best to simply take my home off the market before we receive a serious offer, or is this feeling common? Whoa. <laughs> you know what? There is there is seller's remorse. It's it's a real thing, and there's buyer's remorse, too. And we usually tell people, you know what, keep a, a little bag of Skittles by your bed, take a couple, and call us in the morning, because you'll be okay by then. But, uh, Jack, seriously... If you're looking to sell your home, this is a great time to sell. And you are going to get those offers. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. This is a market where sellers, because there's limited supply, sellers will capitalize the the most as compared to other times during the year. And if you're selling in the spring, you have a lot of competition and it comes down to basically a price game because you need to price your home a little more attractive than what your neighbors have priced it. Right now, you're the only game in town, and you can pretty much get your asking price as long as it's market value. So I would hold off. It's it's a common feeling. It's uh, it's a very emotional decision to sell or buy, and, and that's why you feel this. Let the realtors take the stress off of you. I mean, we, we do this 60, 70, 80 times a year, whereas you guys are doing this maybe once or twice a year. So it is very common. You know, rely on our experience to help get you through this. 
Absolutely. Our next question comes from Gemma in Markham. She wants to know, how can I get my home to sell fast? Wow, she's got that sense of urgency. (laughs) (laughs) So the best thing to do is make sure you're pricing it correctly and make sure you've decluttered it and taken out all the, the personal belongings. Even when you're staging it, don't do too much. You want other people to come in and imagine themselves in that property. So by overdoing the staging and making it look like a model home like they do with the builders, it doesn't really do the trick. You want to make sure that people can imagine themselves in the home as soon as they walk in, and you want to make sure you're priced properly. There's only three reasons a home won't sell uh, quick, and that is price, condition, and accessibility. If you've staged it properly, if you've priced it properly, and it's accessible to people, that means you can't limit showings to Saturdays and Sundays or no showings after 5 p.m. You got to let people see the home when it's on the market and it'll sell quick. And is the time of year a factor at all? It really is. I mean, in the spring, you've got a lot more people looking because they want to be moved in before school starts. So there's a little more sense of urgency. Right now, it takes a little bit longer to sell, but you've got serious people. If you think about it, it's, uh, you know, middle of October, people have to now put on, you know, shoes instead of flip-flops and pants and uh, a shirt or a jacket to come out. These are serious people. If you're going to go through all of that trouble to come out and see houses, you know they're pretty serious. So it's a good time to sell. You just have to be patient and you'll you'll be very happy. Asif, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how can they do that? They can give me a call at 416-985-5426. That's 416-985-CON. Just before we go, this week's hot listing and joining us next is Heather Cooper from Remax Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. This week, we're going to be talking about the third and final phase of Pemberton's most successful maple community, the Mackenzie. The Mackenzie is a new project that's located at Keel and Major Mac. It's a boutique building. It's only 16 stories, only 117 suites with retail all on the main level. That's 4,000 square feet of retail. Now, there is some urgency to this message because... The worksheets are, we're able to fill out worksheets on the 22nd. This has been one of Vaughn's most anticipated projects. It's in a great location at Keelan Major Mac. It's built by Pemberton, so you're getting the best of both worlds, location and builder and quality. And what we need to do is, for the people that are serious, this will sell out. We need to get you in on the 22nd to fill out your worksheet. And all you need is, you need a $5,000 deposit. We're going to be signing people up the following weekend and, and we'll we'll be on air that weekend as well just reminding people about this but heather the the price point on these is phenomenal the prices are absolutely great you've got one bedrooms all the way up to your three bedrooms plus dens the one bedrooms start in the mid 400s and the three bedrooms they go up to about the high 800s which is really great you're looking at almost uh 1300 square feet for those Larger units. So, Asa, if you're going to be taking deposits or the $5,000 deposit next weekend, um, when is this property going to be ready for people to move in? So, this is going to be completed uh, at the end of January 2022. But the deposit structure is very user-friendly. I mean, you're putting down $5,000 with your offer on this property. The rest of the 5% down payment is not due uh, for 30 days. So in 30 days, you complete your 5% down payment. It's a 20% down payment structure, but you're only paying 15% up front. And at the same time, the second 5% is not due for six months. And then following that, the final 5% that you're paying 
uh, to make up the 15% is not due for 540 days. So you're looking at almost two years to pay this down payment, whereas some builders want you to pay 20% in one year. And it makes it difficult for people. So this is a very user-friendly down payment structure. And it's, it's something that you can't lose on because even if you want to flip this property later on, They've uh, they've reduced the assignment fee. That's the fee that you have to pay to change it to somebody else from five thousand to twenty five hundred dollars. So for twenty five hundred dollars, you could transfer this property to someone else prior to closing. So maybe in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, you want to flip this property. That's the uh, price that you're going to pay. And Heather, what are the size of these properties of these condo units? They're typically larger than your downtown condos. Like I said, the one bedrooms you're looking at about five hundred and fifty square feet to start. Um, and then the three bedrooms go up to about 1,250 square feet. That's phenomenal. Three-bedroom condo. Three-bedroom condos. Parking spots are reduced. So we, have, we can have those reduced from $30,000 per spot to $15,000. And a locker is going to be included. The locker is included so in the price. You cannot go wrong. This is probably one of York Region's most awaited projects. And it's finally here. And it's going to sell out quick. Okay. So they have to get in touch with you on Tuesday. Is that right? We, they need to get in touch with us right now because on Tuesday we're going to be filling out the worksheets. So they need to contact Heather Cooper or Helen Liu at 905-554-5522 as soon as we're off the air. That's our show for this week. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.